You're listening to the Southern Solstice Podcast with me, Sarah Sadler. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Southern Solstice Podcast. This week in Episode 5, you're going to be introduced to someone that Larkin probably would rather have left in her past. But nonetheless, when you live in a small town, you can't get very far away from your exes. And that is what is about to happen right now. So without further ado, Chapter 5, Avery. Well into the early part of the evening, Larkin felt a rustling at the edge of her bed and heard a small, callow voice. She looked up from her pillow to see a cherub smile and bright blue eyes watching her, the last of the afternoon sunshine dancing through blonde, translucent hair. Larkin's sister Caroline had a three-year-old boy, Sam. He was a stout, well-dressed child that had his father's quiet temperament and chubby fingers. He watched Larkin for a couple of seconds in silence before climbing up on the bed to sit beside her. Larkin had never spent much time around children, but Sam didn't seem to notice. She was amazed at how trusting he was and thought about how lovely and simple it must be to be only three. "'Are you awake?' he asked through short, shallow breaths, leaning closer to her face. Larkin nodded sleepily. "'Do you know who I am?' "Uh "'Uh-huh. Yes, ma'am. You're Locke,' Sam said, beaming with pride for answering correctly. Can I see where you hooded your foot, please? Who told you about that, huh? Larkin said playfully as she sat up. Nanny, Sam said matter-of-factly. She said you broke your heart, too, and that you live here now. Yep, Larkin blinked, blindsided by his awareness of the situation. She pulled her foot out of the covers and showed the child the bandage. That must have hooded wheel, wheel bad, Sam said, grimacing. Looks like you have a boo-boo too, Larkin said, pointing to a Bob the Builder bandage on his knee. No, not yet. It's for just in case, Sam explained, patting the bandage flat against his chunky knee. Larkin felt like an immature, inadequate adult beside this well-prepared and confident child. Even at three, he was expecting to fall and was already armed with the equipment to patch things up and carry on, bandage and all. He wiggled off the side of the bed, grunting with difficulty as he maneuvered his husky frame off the pillow-top mattress. Locke? he asked, landing with a thud. You can sit beside me at dinner. Larkin nodded her head in agreement, smiling at his sincere, round face. With that, Sam ran out of the room making siren noises, followed by crashing noises, and then his deliberate, heavy footfalls disappeared down the last flight of stairs. Larkin threw the covers off and sighed. She could smell the aroma of Bunny's supper coming from downstairs and heard waves of voices, none distinguishable, drifting in and out of the doorway that Sam had left flung open. The pain in her foot hadn't started again, but the pain that intensified in her chest as evening fell was sinking like a stone now, revealing the ache that daylight seemed to conceal. She did her best to shake the feeling off. She knew how important it was for Bunny to see her on the mend, and in so many ways she was. Larkin quickly remembered Dr. Miles from earlier in the day and let a small smile creep across her lips. Hey, sugar, Bunny said, sweeping through the doorway, Chardonnay in hand. You feeling better? A little, Larkin nodded. Sam came to see me. I can't believe how much he's grown since I was home last. Bunny smiled ear to ear. He's something, isn't he? Little spitfire. Larkin watched Bunny's entire countenance change as she thought about Sam and his lively, certain nature. 
Well, Bunny said, sipping her wine, supper's about ready and there's a whole houseful waiting to see you, little Calamity Jane. Oh, God, Mama, Larkin fussed. Did you have to? Honey, you know I'm kidding. You aren't really Calamity Jane. Everybody has an accident now and then. No, Larkin corrected her, walking towards the closet. Not about that, about the house being full of people. I just don't feel like putting on a show tonight. Bunny let out a hearty three glasses of wine laugh. Judging by the lingerie we discovered, or should I say didn't discover in Seattle, you don't ever feel like putting on a show. Larkin peeked her head around the closet door, eyes slit in the stiff glare and lips pursed disapprovingly. Oh, Lark, Bunny said, adjusting her tone. People love you here. It's not like Seattle, baby. You can just be yourself. You can be an Ashby. Bunny watched as Larkin considered the idea. Come on, it'll be fun. Larkin dove back into the closet, ruffling through her assortment of new clothes, looking for a pair of jeans. Fine, Larkin said tersely, her voice muffled in the closet. I'll just sweep my heartache under the rug and throw my emotions into the wind and, oh, that sounds wonderful, Bunny cut her off, obviously not listening. Oh, and no blue jeans, Lark. Jackson is downstairs. Larkin's jaw fell open. Jackson Winslow was not someone she was ready to handle right now. Maybe never. Why is he here? Larkin asked, poking her head out of the closet to find that Bunny had conveniently left the room. Larkin stood in front of the floor-length mirror. Oh, hi, Jackson, she said to herself. Remember when we used to sleep together? Thanks for avoiding me for the past seven years. This isn't awkward at all. She forced a fake smile in preparation. Her hair was salvageable if she could smooth it down and put it in a ponytail. In the closet, she found an indigo dress with a square neckline and a slit up the side of the straight skirt revealing most of her left thigh. She found a pair of gold gladiator wedges that she managed to squeeze the bandaged foot into without discomfort, and after wanding on some mascara and lip gloss, she was only slightly inappropriately dressed for dinner. She took a deep breath and began her descent down the stairs, voices from the dining room growing louder and louder with each step. When Larkin got to the bottom of the staircase, Sam ran to greet her. Lock, he said with big eyes. Nanny got ice cream for dessert, just for me, but you can share it. And then he ran off again like a terrier, landing in the living room in front of his fleet of Tonka trucks and army men. Larkin tugged at her skirt and walked as confidently as possible into the dining room. She took in a table full of faces, Bunny and Pris velcroed at the hip as usual, gossiping, Lil and Bart discussing a broiled bananas recipe, Hank telling Caroline and her husband Aaron stories about Iris the Havanese and his latest deep-sea fishing adventure, but there were no signs of Jackson. Larkin felt her entire body relax. She could only hope that he had decided to leave, realizing the uneasiness his presence would cause. Lark, Caroline called. She stood up from the table and wrapped her arms around Larkin, rubbing her back and squeezing tightly. Welcome home. Caroline never changed. She had always been an old soul, but her face remained youthful and vibrant, always smiling and rosy. She had bunnies coloring exactly. Fair skin, dark hair, deep blue eyes. Sam told me that he woke you up, Caroline said, laughing. I guess Aaron let him sneak up there. Aaron stood up from his chair and gave Larkin a side hug, welcoming her back. Yeah, sorry about that. He's like holding on to a greased pig. Larkin walked towards Bunny and Pris, hugging Hank on the way. Now that's what I'm talking about, sugar, Bunny said proudly, admiring Larkin's ensemble. Doesn't she look like a catch, Prissy? Pris nodded her head adamantly. She is a catch, Mama. Good grief. Look at that backside. Buns of steel magnolias. 
Pris gave Larkin a playful pat on the backside and winked as she popped a lobster cream puff in her mouth. Why don't you pour yourself a glass of wine while we wait, Bunny suggested. There's a bottle of white and a bottle of red already open in the kitchen, but I'd go with the Chardonnay. Bunny's advice on food and wine pairings were more like orders, so Larkin set off for the kitchen for a glass of white wine. The fish was still in the oven, bubbling cheese sauce under the broiler and filling the kitchen with a gourmet dill and lemon fragrance. Orzo and currant salad sat steaming in the warming drawer alongside asparagus and dinner rolls. Though it was rare, Bunny did know how to prepare a lovely meal, and as with everything, she spared no opulence. Larkin poured a generous glass of wine and tipped it up, taking several large gulps before refilling it again. Hey, bird. A liquid, baritone voice boomed from behind her. There was only one person to ever call Larkin bird. Hearing it again resonated through her entire body, jolting her back in time. Larkin whipped around, wine glass and wine bottle in each hand, some of the wine sloshing out onto the floor. Jackson Winslow stood with his arms crossed, propped against the cabinet across from her with a devious smile on his face. He wore fitted navy suit pants with a silver-blue crew-neck sweater that pressed against his athletic frame, sleeves pushed up to his elbows. His brown hair was short on the sides with enough length on the top to still require styling. From things that Pris had said over the years, Larkin knew Jackson had worked as an investment banker and had seen a fair amount of success. Seeing him stand in front of her now, it looked like a role he played perfectly. I didn't mean to startle you, he said, walking dangerously close to Larkin. He motioned at the wine bottle in her right hand. Could I get some of that? Larkin carelessly placed the bottle in his hand. You look good, he said, pouring the wine slow and steady. Sorry to hear about what brings you back home, but it's good to see you. He stood back again, admiring her. Larkin could hardly breathe, let alone speak. Jackson was all the way she had remembered him being and then some. He was still charming and attractive in an unattainable way, but was more polished now than when he was 21. And at the same time, he still had all the button-pushing qualities as when he was a 10-year-old, hiding in the garden and sabotaging tea parties. Larkin immediately recomposed herself and took a casual sip of her wine. She seemed to remember with Jackson, bullying and seduction were one and the same. Ah, good to see you're still lurking around, Jackson. Larkin kept her eyes glued on him now. Guess some things never change. Ouch, Jackson said, clutching his chest. The way I remember it, you and me did a whole lot of lurking around together once upon a time. Hmm, that's right, she said, narrowing her eyes. I haven't thought about that in years. Larkin felt her facade slipping away the longer he stood in front of her. Really? Jackson asked, leaning in closer. Because I think about it all the time. He let a wide smile cover his face as Larkin blushed in the wake of his words. Lark, Bunny called as she entered the kitchen. How's that fish looking? She smiled widely when she saw Larkin and Jackson together. Oh, good, I found you both. Come on, y'all help me set this out. Bunny pulled the fish from under the broiler and quickly transferred it to a serving platter. Larkin and Jackson each took a dish from the warming tray and walked silently into the dining room, placing them on the table. Larkin eyed only two available place settings at the far end of the dining room, beside Sam, side by side. The idea of choking to death was more appealing than sitting beside Jackson at this point. Larkin calmly accepted her fate and walked around the table to sit down between Sam and the empty chair that Jackson would soon occupy. Larkin took her chair with a thud and unrolled her silverware, smacking her napkin against the air with a pop before placing it in her lap. Everything okay? Pris asked. Larkin looked up to see a table full of curious eyes on her. 
Jackson leaned back in his chair, enjoying the awkwardness. Yes, sorry, Larkin forced a smile. Must be the wine. She let out a small laugh and everyone went back to their merriment of talking and passing the food around the table. It was uncomfortably evident that no one wanted to ask Larkin the wrong questions over dinner. Hank made a few jokes about her clumsiness and the unfortunate accident at the hospital, which Pris playfully reprimanded him for. After a few more glasses of wine, Larkin relaxed. Sitting beside Sam gave her every excuse to ignore Jackson, who seemed to be deep in conversation with Aaron anyway. Sam was a wonderful conversationalist, telling Larkin about the things he loved at the zoo and showing her some of the silly faces that he could make. Larkin loved how natural talking to him was. She cringed at the thought that one day he would grow up and maybe break someone's heart. Caroline monitored Sam closely, correcting him easily with just a look when he got too loud or too boisterous. After dinner, Bart brought out a homemade key lime pie that Lil Special requested he make. An exhausted Sam was given his ice cream as promised before being ushered upstairs to Caroline's old room, now a lavishly redecorated playroom with a Cowboys and Indians theme. Lil brought out after-dinner coffee for everyone and intuitively brought Larkin some Advil and a glass of water for the toe that was once again throbbing. And how is that darling Avery doing? Bunny asked Jackson as she passed him a slice of pie. Jackson nodded proudly and settled the plate down in front of him. She's great, turning seven in August. Larkin felt a pull in her chest at the mention of Jackson's daughter. She'd never met her, but she figured that was as intentional as Jackson's avoidance of her for the past seven years. She'd stopped counting the times that he'd made a whirlwind visit to Charleston without as much as a hello from him. For several years, part of her held out hope of him returning to Edisto Island for the tradition of vacationing together, but he never showed. She didn't know what she would have said to him anyway. She lives in Alabama with her mother, Jackson said, turning to Larkin to explain the situation. Her mother and I, Kayla, well, me being back here is a recent development. Jackson seemed modest now, his arrogance humbled at the admission to his personal life. Jackson and Kayla had never married, Larkin knew that much. She also knew that based on Avery's arrival into the world, Kayla was in Jackson's life well before her time with him that Christmas break. We really should catch up sometime, Bird, Jackson said. I mean, if you want. He smiled. Yeah, sure, it's been years. Larkin shrugged, hoping to seem indifferent. All right, he shook his head slowly. I leave for New York tomorrow, but maybe next week? I'll give you a call or swing by or something. Larkin agreed with a nod, the wine sloshing her thoughts around arbitrarily. Bunny, Jackson said, standing up from the table. Dinner was wonderful as always. Thank you for the invitation. If you don't mind, though, I'm going to excuse myself. I've got an early start. Bunny got up from the table, hugging Jackson and offering to send him home with leftovers. Do you want to ride home, baby? Pris asked. It's such a nice night, I think I'll walk, Jackson reassured her with a smile. I'll see you back at the house. He waved goodbye, showing himself to the door and closing it quietly behind him. After the last crumb of pie was gone and conversation had lulled, Lil and Bart cleaned up the dishes, leaving a fair amount for the housekeeper to deal with in the morning. Pris and Hank hugged everyone goodbye after Caroline and Aaron brought a sleepy-headed Sam down the stairs. Bunny, Lil, and Larkin stood on the front porch, watching everyone get into their cars and leave. The night air was still and crisp. Even the harbor was quiet, with only the occasional wave audibly hitting the barrier wall. Bunny turned to Larkin, wrapping a silk chiffon shawl tighter around her. That wasn't too bad now, was it? No, Larkin admitted. It was actually really nice. Thank you. 
I know you're trying to make things easy for me. I don't know if I can make things easy, Bunny said seriously. I guess some things are just hard until they aren't anymore. I want you to know that you have all the time you need, though. I'm not going to rush you through this. Larkin threw her arms around Bunny. Somehow having permission to not be okay made her feel like she would be okay. Well, Bunny said, brightening her tone, tomorrow is a whole new day full of wonderful possibilities, but today was long and hard and I'm beat. The three women walked back in the house and Bunny kissed Lil and Larkin goodnight before shuffling up the stairs, stilettos in hand. All right, sugar, Lil said through a yawn. I'm going to hit the hay too. You going to be all right tonight? Larkin twisted her lips together, looking up the dark staircase lined with mirrors. Actually, I was thinking you might need some company in the carriage house. Oh, goody, Lil laughed. I was hoping you'd come and keep an old lady company. How about some butter and cinnamon crepes before bed like old times? Lil's eyes twinkled with excitement. Go get your jammies on and I'll fire up the griddle. Larkin felt like a child running up the stairs to grab her freshly laundered yoga pants and cashmere hoodie. She hopped barefoot across the garden to the carriage house with her toe elevated, ducking inside the door just before the sprinklers turned on. Thank you so much for joining me for Southern Solstice Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or by visiting my website, sarahsadler.com. And if you want to buy the book, maybe read along or skip ahead, you can find the ebook on Amazon and iTunes. And if you'd like a paperback, you can buy one from my website or request it at your local bookstore.